I spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious mergers and acquisition specialists around. And now I've decided to take the leap into buying businesses. The real questions are how will I do it? How much of the behind the scenes can we really show? And how can business owners like you maximize their purchase price and build generational wealth? This show is going to give you the answers. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we buy, sell, or merge healthcare businesses and physical therapy practices. I'm Dave Kittle, and this is The Dave Kittle Show. Hey, on today's episode, we are speaking with Tony Maritato. We are going to be screen sharing how Tony and I have used ChatGPT and how you as a physical therapist and a practice owner could potentially use ChatGPT to do a whole host of things in your practice. I think Tony kicked over to me ideas for marketing or marketing campaigns, as well as SOPs, uh, standard operating procedures, what my business coach calls playbooks. So a playbook for your, your practice and your business, basically like a description of like every department in your practice. And when you onboard a new team member, a staff member, a therapist, whatever it might be, you have a SOP or a playbook for all their standard roles and responsibilities. It could be as simple or as defined as like, what do you post on social media? What are the actual ads that you post on Indeed or LinkedIn? But you can get some of those through prompts, through ChatGPT. We're going to screen share it. If you are listening on iTunes or Spotify, jump over to the Dave Kittle Show on YouTube. And Tony Maritato is a physical therapist, practice owner of Total Therapy Solutions. They have two locations in the Ohio area. If you're watching this or listening, you probably do know him. And uh, he's putting out a ton of content on Facebook and YouTube learnmedicalbilling.com. Also now, Tony switched over to LinkedIn. Maybe we get to that later. Tony, good morning. Let's get into it. What's going on? Dave, good morning. I can't believe your memory to remember that we have the two clinics in Ohio and all that stuff. It's just incredible. Thanks so much for having me again. Yeah, you know, I mean, everybody who is listening that knows what ChatGPT is, I'm sure they're using it. Anybody who's listening who doesn't know what ChatGPT is, they're probably not using it. So to the people who are using it, I thought it'd be awesome to hear from others about how we're using it, because there's the good and the bad, of course. And so that's what I wanted to talk about this morning. Absolutely. I have used it with coming up with some blog posts, and I will. we can get into the prompts and stuff and how else you're using it. But I've used it by asking it to basically create unique blog articles, but then I will ask it for... I'll ask ChatGPT for things like references and citations and all that. And then it'll actually pull in either in the body of the blog, like let's say it's low back pain, New York City for runners or whatever it might be. It'll create through ChatGPT through that prompt. And obviously, my that was not a good prompt and we can go into better prompts. But how we've created unique blog posts with references and citations. And my thought, I would love your feedback, but my thought is using ChatGPT for blog articles. I know you've used this for some of the heavy lifting with content with blog articles, if you're pulling in references and citations, my assumption is that it creates a piece of content that's a little more unique instead of something that's already being copied from another place on the internet and kind of repurposing it into ChatGPT. That's my assumption. That's my hunch. I don't know if that actually works or not, but it, it seems like if it's pulling in other citations and references, it would be more likely to be creating a unique piece of content for your practices blog. And if that's the case, that would be less likely to get dinged by Google and actually be indexed and utilized and all that. So how else are you using it? And what do you see the best ways to use ChatGPT for therapists and practice owners? 
Yeah. So that's the thing. I mean, the biggest fear I see from clinicians is they don't want to plagiarize. And we know that ChatGPT is just a large language model. It's been trained on countless bits of data from all over the internet. It scraped everything and now it's putting it together in a logical sequence. So when I first started, like everybody, you know, I had one of the first accounts that when chat came out and I was like, write me an article for low back pain. And it would spit out this thing. And I'm like, that's completely useless. I can't understand how people are going to use this. But I think that's probably what people thought when they had the first word processor come out and they're like, I'm going to go back to my typewriter. What I found over months and months of trials and like looking at Google indexing, I mean, and keep in mind, I write about 50 articles a month. That's my average. Each article has about 1,500 to 2,000 words on average. They have professional references. They have internal, external links. They have everything that I would need for a high quality article. And Google is indexing and ranking these articles usually within three to four hours. So I've got plenty of history behind the methodology that seems to be working. But like everything, you know, we don't know what Google is thinking. We don't understand the algorithm. So it's a guess. But the main thing that I found was to really take the tool and use it as a tool. Don't try to use it as a replacement for a human. A couple of things we'll talk about as we get into this and feel free to ask me any questions is I do my own keyword research. ChatGPT is a horrible tool for doing keyword research. So I go in, I do my keyword research. I see what Google's got ranked one, two, and three on any particular topic. And I do tend to write about what I'm interested in at the moment. And once I do that, then I start to craft my idea. So, okay, I come up with an idea. I'm like, write me an article about piriformis syndrome. But before I actually start getting the chat to write the article, I seed the chat. I put information in there. Now, there are free plugins. The one I use is WebPilot that allows ChatGPT to access the internet in, in real time. I go to PubMed. I pull up a handful of articles that have free publications. I look for the best professional journals that are out there with the information I want to train the chat. And I say, chat, go read this article. Give me a summary of what you understand this article is about. And I have it, I paste in the URL for that article and I have chat read that article. And then I'll do that two or three articles in a row to really make sure these are the articles that I would have read, that I would have synthesized, that I would have pulled the information from. And then from there, as I develop the narrative with that particular chat, because we know that there's no carryover between different chat threads. I have one chat that's dedicated to one specific topic. And if we're talking SEO, it's a silo. But then I start to go through and I say, okay, now that you've read those three articles, I want you to recommend an article outline for the topic, the keyword, and then I'm putting whatever the established keyword is. And then I say, I want this article to help a therapist answer the question and then whatever the search intent is. So I'm bringing the Google elements into the chat. I'm training the chat every single time on what exactly I want the output to be. And then I have it give me the article outline. And then from there, I say, and this is where I think we really take it to the next level. Now I want you, chat, to be the ghostwriter and the editor. I want you to function like a journalist. I want you to ask me one question about each section within the article to bring my unique perspective into the article. And then from there, 
Now the chat starts to write, ask me a question. I give it my response. It incorporates my response into the article. So now we have unique content. We have my tone of voice. We have all of the elements from the peer-reviewed PubMed articles. It's just amazing. And it'll spit out a really high quality article in, you know, 30 minutes. I do prompt it to write one section at a time because we know if we tell chat to write a 1500 word article, it'll give us 400 words. So I say, write one section of this article at a time, allow me to review it. Sometimes I'll tell it, I want this section to be at least 200 words. I want you to give me a word count in the summary after you write this section. And so I can craft in about 40 minutes, a great 1500 to 2000 word article while it's writing, because we know ChatGPT4 is pretty slow, I'll go grab my graphics, I'll grab my images, I'll go grab, I'll get into Canva and I'll create a featured image. I'll do all the other stuff. So as I'm going back and forth in my workflow, by the end of 40 to 60 minutes, I've got a finished article. It's ready to publish. I've got internal links, external links. I've got bulleted points, numbered list, a table. I've got all of the SEO required elements that I want in there to really be competitive and provide the highest value article I can to the potential reader. And it's based on what I think the search intent is about. Who is going to read this article and what do they want to get out of this article? Hmm. If there's someone watching or listening, if they say that that sounds like a lot of time, can you just give a little background of why you're spending that amount of time per article or per blog? Because I know that at the end of the day, you're doing this so that your website, your practice website just has better domain authority, better ranking with Google. And so therefore, your website or these pages of, of content would be more likely to be found organically by future potential patients or just folks that may not even live in your state, but they're looking for that type of content. It elevates your practice website in terms of domain ranking and authority. Is that pretty much why you spend that amount of time or, or you're that focused on the content? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I've been researching SEO services lately just to get a sense for, you know, what people are charging out there. We know and and listen, I was the first one like you and I have been doing interviews for almost a decade. You go back, I would have been the first one to say a website is just worthless. It's a brochure. It's just a place where people can come and find your phone number. But people coming to your website, most small provider websites, it's just they already know you. They just want to see who you are and they want a phone number to call you. That's why people used to go to your website. But now, now that we understand the Google guidelines, now that we understand EEAT, now that I, I, for the first time in 20 years of building websites, realize I can actually get Google traffic. I can get local traffic for a local topic. Now I start to see the power of a website. And so doing, spending the time, investing the money because our time is valuable. It is money. I can really see the difference, you know? And so there was a guy, great therapist, Michael Dury down in Jacksonville, Florida. He wanted to promote dry needling. We crafted a couple articles based on local SEO for Jacksonville, Florida, specific for dry needling. And you can just see the impressions and the clicks going up because we put the time in to understand what is the best possible resource that Google can deliver to a searcher? You know, now, of course, I monetize my websites with ads. I monetize my websites with affiliate income. So for me, it's not just about getting a new client. But I think of you, Dave, and I think of 
practices that you're going to buy. You and I have had this conversation. If I'm a practice owner and I have a reproducible referral machine in the form of a website, in addition to other elements, you know, I minimize platform risk, right? Facebook can shut me down. YouTube can kick me off. But if it's my website, my email list, I'm crafting these articles. These are digital assets. I've got articles that I wrote years ago that continue to bring traffic in, that continue to convert leads, that continue to kind of prime the audience for what it is that I deliver. That's going to add value, enterprise value to the business, which obviously when it's time to leave, I can sell the website by itself. Most monetized websites that are earning an income will sell for two and a half to three times the annual profit. So if my website's doing, I don't know, 12,000 a year in net income just by itself, not referrals, you know, I can sell it for 36,000 just by itself as a standalone asset. That adds 36,000 of income to the business. There's just so many opportunities there to add value to what we do. Yeah, for sure. Do you want to screen share a little bit of chapter yeah. to show this example or to show any examples of... of uh, yeah, so it's really it. simple. Like here's chat GPT for $20 a month. It's unbelievable for context. Last year, I don't remember. It might've been last October. I spent $7,500 on 100,000 words of content to go on a website that I had about pickleball. Now for $20 a month, I get better content and I can exceed 100,000 words. But basically, you know, I don't know if you guys can see it like over here, Cash PT Guide, Cash PT Business Online. These on my left are some articles that I've been working on, Piriformis. So like this is kind of an interesting one. I'll just take you through really quick the prompts. So starting at the top, I said, I'd like to write a new article. Please write an article about the piriformis muscle. One of the things that I'm building on this particular Choose PT First website is I'm writing articles, but then I'm also writing supporting articles so that I can increase the value of the primary article, the pillar post. So I said, hey, I wrote something about piriformis. I need to create something about the piriformis muscle. I said, I'd like you to plain language, easy to read to explain what the piriformis is to someone who does, does not know anything about anatomy or physiology. I said, I'm a physical therapist named Anthony Maritato because it needs to know who I am. I want you to create a simple, friendly, a patient-friendly guide explaining what the piriformis muscle is and what it does. You know, I go to websites all the time, small like therapy providers like me, my private practice website. The information is so generic. The information doesn't index. The inf Somebody is either paying to get that information out there or they're spending time to do it themselves, but it's not bringing value into the practice. So I said, please read the content here and use this as your primary resource. Now, this is a PubMed page. I'll just show you guys real quick. Anatomy, bony pelvis, lower limb, piriformis muscle. So it's got all this great information. Consumers don't want to read this. But this is a great <laughs> backbone. Therapists don't always want to read that. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so I said, start by creating an article outline. I always start with an article article outline. And so this is what it writes me. Writes me an article outline, gives me information about nerves and blood supply and all this stuff. So I said, please use HTML code to create a table of contents with jump links to each section. 
jump links are the hyperlinks so that when Google crawls your page, sometimes those hyperlinks will also show up in the SERP results. So it gives me the table of contents. I cut and paste this straight into any HTML editor and it goes right on my page. Then I said, you know, now please start writing each section of the article, write one section at a time. I will prompt you when it's time to write the next section. Now, in this particular article, I didn't ask it to interview me. I didn't ask it for any of my feedback because it's just a supporting document. It's just going to give me support for a bigger article that I did ask it to interview me. And then it does. It starts writing. So it writes the introduction. I say, please proceed. Writes the next section. Please proceed. Please proceed. I have found that this gives me the best outcome. It gives me the best results. It gives me the volume of words that I want for each section. And then this also allows, which I didn't do here, me to give it specific prompts from an SEO perspective, from a reader experience perspective. I do want bulleted points. I do want highlights. I do want quotes and call outs. I do want all of these things. And so if I can prompt it, say, in this section, do this. In this section, do this. I can better craft the way, the aesthetic appeal of the article. You know, I'm not a writer. I'll go on video all day long. I can't put three words together um, in written form. So this has just been a total game changer. And you guys have all heard me say it. Uh, when we look at inflation, we know Chick-fil-A sandwiches cost more. We know gas costs more. We know all these things cost more. Something like this just generated in this one article, potentially generated $500 of value for me over the course of a year. Over the course of all of the articles, all of the website, this one tool is likely going to make one of my websites worth $150,000 in resale value. It elevates the value of the practice. And, and this is just a teeny tiny element. Let's talk about some of the other things that people are using ChatGPT for. What are you using it for? So in the pre-interview, I mentioned that I will use it for crafting um, headlines for episodes on my show, like, like this episode. So for example, as I'm talking to a guest, either during the uh, episode or after, um, my podcast editor people, they have like a Google Drive and a, a Google Doc for each and a folder for each person. So there will be a folder for this episode. I'll go in, I'll open up a Google Doc and I type in, you know, here's the title, you know, with Tony Maritato and some, you know, links to your stuff or whatever, your, you know, show notes type stuff. And then I will oftentimes, I'll go into ChatGPT and I will put in two or three headlines. And if you want, we could do that in real time right now. We could, yeah, put, in a couple, we could put in a couple headlines that we think would be, uh, that would cause interest or intrigue uh, to get more of you who are watching or listening to click and consume this content. And so I will do a couple um, potential headlines and then I will, now you will probably have better prompts. I am very bare bones minimal. So I will literally just type in the chat GPT, which of these blog headlines or episode headline, I feel like a blog headline and episode headlines like the same thing. So I'll say, which of these episode headlines will get the most clicks? And then, you know, one or bulleted, whatever, each of the headlines. And then whatever ChatGPT picks, and then sometimes it gives a breakdown and a description of like, you know, these words or the word unveiling or the word secrets or, you know, this or that. I know sometimes people think it's kind of clickbaity, some of that stuff, but whatever ChatGPT says, this will get the most clicks. I will use that as the episode headline. So the things that you might have seen 
in the past several months or the past year or so of headlines. Some of that actually came from ChatGPT. That's awesome. Did you want to share your screen or did you want me? To, I've got something else that I was going to show everybody. Let's go with what you're going to share. I don't have okay. uh, ChatGPT pulled up. So my wife is also a physical therapist, but she hasn't been in the clinic since our oldest son was born 14 years ago. One of the things that she's gotten into since she's been out of the clinic is social media, social media marketing. We are involved with a small local theater group acting up. It's a children's theater. My son's involved. This post you see on the screen. So my wife would create this post for every single kid in the cast. I take the headshots. She writes the post. She puts in a small blurb. Chat GPT does everything else. So chat GPT changes the narrative for each individual person. Chat GPT adds the uh, emojis. Chat GPT crafts the narratives, puts the words in. And because the information stays within the chat, I think there's 74 kids in this cast. Every time she creates a new post for a new kid, it's different content. It is amazing. This is something that would take her an hour for each kid. Now it's probably taking her five to 10 minutes just to, to get everything done, get it on Facebook, get it on Instagram, get it on TikTok. So this is one of those things that's just, again, a total game changer. And of course, from a therapy perspective, we could be using this to write narratives about our bios, about our clinic clinicians. We could do success stories about patients, just color the words that we choose, make it sound so much better than what we're used to. We're clinicians. We're not narrators. We're not writers. There are things like that that are just amazing. And then, of course, looking at it from a documentation perspective. Now, what do you know that's going on in regards to AI in general and clinical documentation? Well, I know it, Ray Bernardinelli has his product and his service that he's working on that's um, self-documenting, artificial intelligence self-documenting for medical record documentation. Other than that, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's other companies working on it for building out shortcuts and things that'll speed up documentation. I'm not sure if there's anything else that's newer that maybe you've seen that I haven't. Yeah, Ray's probably like ahead of the pack when it comes to AI, predictive modeling, documentation. One of the things that I think is really cool, everybody wants to talk about doing video within a patient care session, using the video in replace of documentation. The thing that they're losing sight of is third-party payers don't, don't care what you do. They don't want to watch what you do. They're not interested in what you do. And I would tell you, I mean, this, this blew my mind years ago when surgeons started doing video of all their surgeries. From a liability perspective, I thought that's crazy. I can't believe they're willing to do that. I would love to see how if every therapy interaction was on video, how that would change the quality of care. I bet the quality of care would skyrocket because I know when I've recorded, you and I have talked, I used to set up a camera. I mean, we're talking 10 years ago, set up a camera in an eval and record myself delivering the evaluation. And then I'd go back and watch it just like game day film to improve the quality of my evaluation. I realized how many little things I did that just made me look unprofessional. It just wasn't improving the experience. If we go into YouTube... Well, I think, I think that's why it's uh, challenging or it could cause some challenge because therapists or physicians or surgeons, whatever, they're exposed, right? It's like a, in a vulnerable position, potentially. 
Absolutely. I mean, it is so uncomfortable, gut-wrenching to see yourself actually treat a patient. But something that I wanted to show you guys here was whether we did actually pretend we videoed the entire patient interaction, pretend I just wanted to come here and find my favorite therapists and their content. If I go into YouTube or any video platform, there's auto captions already generated. What I do is I can turn off the timestamps. I can come in here. I can grab the transcript manually. Now, there are plugins that'll do this. I can grab the entire transcript from there. I can open a new chat. I can say, please, No, turn this into a therapy note, a soap note. Please no read and process <laughs> this transcript and extract the most important elements. And so, what happens is, so you're saying in the future, therapists could just post, I mean, this is, I know this is wild, but like record every patient encounter, every visit, every patient has to agree to it. If it was YouTube or another widget that's maybe not public or whatever, it, you get the transcript from the video that could become the note that could become the medical record and potentially zero documentation from the therapist at all. Automatically. And, and I don't know if you remember this. So you know how like NFL games, they mic up the players and you can hear what's going on on the field. I had recorded a video a couple of years ago where I had a little lapel mic. I had a test cam, you know, DR, whatever in my pocket. And I would turn it on and I record elements of myself doing patient education, explaining to the patient what I want. But the same thing, like even if I just recorded the audio of the interaction, AI would auto-process that audio, turn it into a treatment note, turn it into whatever kind of documentation we need. It could include timestamps, just like you saw the YouTube transcript. I can turn on and off the timestamps. So if I needed to know well, how many minutes did we do this and how many minutes did we do that, it's all right there. you know. And it pulls out the most important elements based on what you've seen. Tell me how the patient responded to this treatment. Make recommendations, because remember, we're training these chats. We could have it make recommendations based on our history of what we could do better, what we could do next time, identify potential functional deficits. So the AI is smart enough. If the patient can't get out of a chair without using upper extremity assist, they probably can't get off the floor without some level assist. They probably can't do a series of other functional things without assistance. So now the chat predictive model could start to look at, okay, Tony identified these three functional deficits, but what about the other 10 that are associated with these three? Maybe we can develop function-based goals on all 13 functional deficits. And my newest model of documentation is really we take each of those identified functional deficits we tie them to a published functional outcome measure that's been peer reviewed and accepted by the profession. And now each treatment is focused on a single functional deficit. And so the reviewer from Medicare, Blue Cross, Humana, wherever, can look at the documentation, can look at the treatment notes, can look at the goals in the plan of care. And it's almost like reading a book. You've got a title, your diagnosis, you've got your chapters in the book, which are your functional impairments and your long-term goals. And now each treatment note is the narrative from that section. And it's a very simple sequential. All of this makes sense. And then, of course, I can import the published policy. So I've imported Aetna's published policy 
for reimbursement for therapy services. It includes what's covered, what's not covered. Their definition of medical necessity includes required elements for the note. And I can have the AI basically audit my medical record to say, hey, based on this criteria, read this policy, extract the required elements, and then let's create a checklist. And I want you to review this note to ensure compliance. And so now I've got the best of the best, you know, in terms of my internal auditor can can pull from a background of millions and millions and millions of data points to make sure that my note is on track. Mm, very interesting. <laughs> it is. There, there's just so much stuff that you can do with it, you know, but here's the rub. We're so busy. Therapists are so busy. They're so deep in patient care. They're up to their neck in catching up notes from three days ago that they don't even have time to explore these concepts, you know, and that's where it goes back to you, goes back to the stuff that you're doing, stuff that we we see others in the profession doing where it's like, look, it's not all about doing more. It's not all about treating more. If we want to grow profits and revenue, it's not about higher volumes. It's about running a better business, having more profit to increase our capacity so we can focus on things like this. This is what's going to move the profession forward. Yeah, right on. Well said. Um, I don't have anything else. I think we can wrap that up, but very interesting what you shared. I knew you would have better prompts than what I've been using for prompts in ChatGPT. And again, I think folks should re-listen to the way that you set up those prompts and definitely take a look at the YouTube because then you can just you know model what already works for you because you're, I think, way more advanced with that. And I was very bare bones in regards to my prompts of like, here's a title for a blog or write me a thousand word blog article with about uh, low back pain for runners in New York City and include references and citations. And like, that was it. Like, it was just like one paragraph prompt and then it would write it. And what you just, what you showed, like, it certainly takes more time, but again, it's just, it's time or money. Uh, you can have SEO services, which you've shared recently, or, you know, a thousand a month or a couple thousand yeah. a month, uh, or you could learn or have someone on your team learn how to do what you just showed. So um, definitely a great example. Awesome, Dave. Thanks for talking to me about it. Yeah, thank you. That's it for now. Go ahead and subscribe to the Dave Kittle Show on YouTube, iTunes, and Spotify. We'll catch you next time on the show. Hey, it's Dave Kittle. Are you a healthcare business owner or physical therapy practice owner who is looking to figure out your succession plan or exit strategy? We might be able to help. And in fact, we may be interested in acquiring your practice. If you're interested, you can reach out to me. Shoot me an email at dave at conciergepainrelief.com. That's D-A-V-E at C-O-N-C-I-E-R-G-E, painrelief.com. Or you can call me at any time, 646-781-8884.